Welcome to episode 6 of MADE, the podcast about purpose-driven design, making, and manufacturing. Today we're going to be talking about toys that teach making. So let's continue the conversation. Welcome back to MADE, everyone. As always, I am here with the YouTube wood-making celebrity, Ray Pena. How you doing? And Twitter celebrity, Claudia Berrigan. <laughs> Hello, how are you? <laughs> and of course, I'm Jose Valcarcel. And welcome back to MADE. How are you guys? We're, we're together today, all three of us. It's good. It is. We have a, we have a pretty cool show that Ray came up with today. Uh, we're going to be talking about uh, toys that teach making. But uh, it's good. It's been a good week so far. Yeah, everybody's, so far. everybody's doing good. Yep. Yeah. Okay. Cool. We're gonna, you know, we still haven't gotten a website up and running, but we're gonna get that together right here at some point. We're getting ready to move, so we've been busy, but we're gonna get that up and running before, let's just say, before show ten. We're gonna get up a website up and running where people can go check out the episodes and links to all of our stuff. So. I like that. That's a deadline now. Yeah. Now it's a deadline. Now I have to do it by episode ten. <laughs> so. All right, well, let's just get into some news, and uh, we'll get into the main topic after that. All right, so looking at some of the stories we have to cover today, the first one is that Mark Bartfield is an architect, and he's actually the architect from the architect that first came up with the idea for the the London Eye, which is that big Ferris wheel basically in London. And now he's proposing to have a uh, cable car, basically, not a cable car, is a, a suspended cable car, let's call it, in in, the, in Chicago. Um, there's some renderings that haven't been approved yet. But uh, what do you guys think of this idea? Claudia, you want to chime in? Um, well, I think it's just it's a tourist attraction it's really not a mode of transportation although it, it it is coined as that way it's a plan uh they're looking for uh approval from the city i'm assuming and um it's just uh, there's just so many um things that are wrong with this particular project <laughs> in my perspective that um Tell us some of them. Tell us some of them. I'm <laughs> yeah. right. well I, i'm curious is there anything about it that you like no, nothing at all. Okay. <laughs> Maybe the design of it, because I, I I like how it described how it's a jewel. It's, it's almost like a necklace, like a like a piece of jewelry mm-hmm, mm-hmm. hanging uh, all along the the river, which mm-hmm. is kind of nice uh, as an imagery. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I appreciate that. Um, but other than that, I mean, there's just the one of the issues that I have is like who are the the the, the proponents of this are. Basically, how do they describe it? It's uh, the project inceptors are a Chicago entertainment industry leader and a developer who is an accomplished leader in the hospitality industry. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, they're really coining this as a tra- as a transportation project, which is really because it's needed uh, in order to connect two areas of two uh, touristy areas of town. Mm-hmm. The question of need is the big thing. You know, priorities in the city is. Chicago has so many other Chicago residents have other priorities um, in mind. I mean, they have issues with education. They have issues with um, unemployment, 
crime, uncontrollable incarceration. Uh, there's also corruption, which is a huge issue. Mm -hmm. And, you know, all of these huge issues, big, large policy problems uh, need big design thinker solutions. Right. And meanwhile, you know, there's these architects and they could really they decide to participate in such design proposals. Instead, they really could um, use their valuable problem solving skills here in tackling those actual priority issues, those high priority issues that are citywide and that, you know, their critical needs, immediate needs are are there not on spending a lot of money on a t another tourist attraction that is not going to create any jobs because you know in order to maintain this particular thing uh design you're gonna need special training and special jobs yeah. so no. i mean and i want to hear what you think about it ray but I, I i agree with you on a bunch of those points claudia because i don't even think this is needed at all but what do you think about it ray before i get too much into what i think well, um, first of all, let me start by saying, uh, Claudia, you and I rarely agree, but this was definitely the exception. I, I agree with you quite a bit on this uh, for, for many of the similar reasons. Um, and I like how uh, you brought up the imagery that they're trying to cast as, a, as this uh, cable car as a piece of jewelry. The one thing to remember about jewelry that's important is that it's expensive and you don't need it. So it's funny that the very <laughs> argument they're making is, is right. the argument against it. Mm -hmm. So uh, do I think it's a beautiful concept? Yes, I think it's a beautiful concept. The renderings are actually gorgeous. Um, to be able, if they could ever build it this way, which I doubt, but if they could, mm -hmm. I think it'll be a beautiful execution. Um, I agree also with you that Chicago, and I, I was there a few years ago for a convention, um, and uh, one of the, the biggest, most uh, glaring problems that I saw in Chicago anywhere I went. It wasn't a, 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 um, uh, a secluded uh, problem. It was homelessness. It, they have an enormous, mm -hmm. and, and, and you cannot downplay it enough, enormous homelessness problem to even entertain an idea like this jewelry when there are people that are on the streets freezing in the winter and starving Mm -hmm. seems ridiculous and misplaced. Mm -hmm. um, and I agree, it, it it's kind of makes it a theme park. It's, a, mm -hmm. it's like, a, like an amusement park ride. Um, and I don't think it satisfies, I agree, again, again, I agree with Claudia, that I don't think it satisfies this need for transport between two nodes. Um, and in a place like Chicago that is full of trains, mm -hmm. <laughs> there are trains running all over the place, if, if they were serious about transport, I think uh, that a similar train-like solution that they already have in place would be more economical and, and, and more feasible and would satisfy that. And it could also be a beautiful thing. Mm -hmm. uh, I think what they're trying to say is that by, by doing this is that this is a very beautiful, expensive way, because this will be far more expensive than a, a train, uh, that wouldn't be as intrusive on the most valuable piece of real estate by the river um, than a train would be. And I would agree. I would mm -hmm. agree with that entirely. So <laughs> I don't think they need it. Yeah. I, you know, and I agree with both of what you guys are saying. I think I'll take it even a step further that I think it even fails as a tourist attraction that it's trying to be. Because as, as somebody that's gone to Chicago to look at the buildings and look at the city itself, yes, yes, I would not want to experience it this way. 
-hmm. I would not want to be inside this capsule moving through this way. Like when I, when we went to Chicago, walking around, trying to get into all the buildings, there's so much beautiful architecture in Chicago. Yeah. I don't want to see it this way at all. And so I don't think it even works in what they're, what they're theoretically trying to do, there. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, and I'll go step further. I've not been to the London Eye, so I don't want to comment on that. But we, they just put up a Ferris wheel here in D.C. And they put it, like, in the worst location. Like, it, yeah. it's supposed to be a tourist attraction. It also fails in that way. Mm. And I think this thing would fail similarly. That's really interesting. Because, yeah. like, Jose takes photo, um, does architectural photography. Mm. And I'm, I'm usually, like, you know, next to him when he's taking, you know, mm. photos of a building. And he goes, specifically, he goes to corners. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and the... The pedestrian view of looking up at a mm. at a uh, at a really tall building and that corner shot or like the entry point you know that's the experience that us the architects want mm -hmm. the users to to feel and to experience mm. right that's part of the architecture you know right. seeing seeing the what type of materials are being used seeing it up close mm -hmm. experiencing it that way but you know seeing it from this point of view it's it's so impersonal right yeah i don't want to be inside a sausage casing moving through <laughs> exactly. and not being able to see and i don't wow. want to insult their design i'm just saying it's not the way i'd want to see the city yeah and this is designed by yeah. architects right yeah i mean i think you would agree it's a beautiful design yeah uh, yeah yeah i mean and, I think and it's simplicity. very elegant looking yeah. simplicity yeah yeah but yeah, oh. all right, good. So I think we've said all we have to say about <laughs> that one. Let's move on to the next story, which is about an upcycler that's turned a battered VW Beetle into uh, 5,000 pounds. I don't know how much that is in real money um, <laughs> worth of uh, funky real furniture. <laughs> I say real money. I'm joking. I'm sure pounds or euros, whatever that is, is, is very real. I just don't know how much that is in dollars. Um, what do you guys think about uh, this? This uh, demolishing of a, what I, I a lot of people consider an iconic car into yeah. furniture. Um, well, I'll, I'll take this mm -hmm. one uh, first. The yeah, the it's interesting because uh, people do love their their uh, their VW uh, Beetles. Mm -hmm. uh, they are very popular, but you got to remember they made a ton of them. Yes. They made so 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 many. Mm -hmm. It is uh, you know supposed to be the everyman's car, so. There is no shortage. You can cut these up all day long, and there'll still be plenty more. <laughs> but uh, what's interesting is that uh, what he has done is people do this kind of stuff all the time, and usually out of necessity. Uh, you know, they have something sitting in the yard, or, or somebody says, hey, I have this car for free. Come get it. And they re-envision it and use it for themselves, something personal. Right. Or it might be a car that they had when they were a teenager, and now they're 50 years old, and they wanted to to relive it um, in another way. So he took basically something that that had, um, and I'm going to assume that this wasn't running. Mm -hmm. uh, it, I don't think it, it covers uh, whether it was a, a fully working vehicle or not, but th that had flat tires in it. So I'm going to assume that it was not running. So something that has, uh, you know, maybe $50 of scrap value uh, and turned it into something much more valuable and then took that and used it uh, to donate to a charity, I think uh, it is it is a, uh, uh, a a worthwhile mention, and I think it's it's uh, interesting what he's done. Uh, what it doesn't tell me is if they did it 100 percent um, at their expense, mm -hmm. but but they did donate at least one week of their time to be able to um, to do this, and I, I think it's commendable. Mm -hmm. okay. Design wise, is a different story. Uh, 
<laughs> yeah, that, that's what I was going to say. I think design-wise, some of the pieces, I'm not that... I don't find him that interesting. I mean, you basically, basically took the seats and made him into a couch. I think the more interesting pieces are definitely like the bed frame yeah. that uses yep. the one door. Mm -hmm. I think that's very unique. That's very cool. Um, the the exhaust. Are, yeah, the exhaust making yeah. like a fake uh, antler thing is pretty cool. Um, even the, the exterior that when he used the arches to make that outdoor chair. I think that one's very cool. Yeah. Um, and I'll tell you this, I'm a bit of a hypocrite in this because I don't have any love lost for the BW Beetle. If you had taken a BW bus and done this too, I'd want to hunt him down and kill him. <laughs> um, but, you know, I don't have a problem with a, a car that probably, for its size, probably doesn't do very well with gas to, you know, make it into something else, reuse it. I mm -hmm. think it's good in that sense. Um, I'm not as thrilled with all the pieces, but, I, you know, I think good on him doing something different. Yeah. Just uh, a little more interesting, I would hope, for the parts next time. Well, you know what's interesting, uh, that you, now that you mention it, is that uh, they do mention that this was a, a like a cram session. They made 25 items in under a week, so mm -hmm. they were obviously rushed. And, and when you look at the pieces, they were like, yeah, you know, not a lot of time is invested in that, and it shows. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I think you could do something much cooler. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'll take it a little... I guess on the runchy side. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> the 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 bed piece is actually interesting. I, I, because, you know, you think of this car, you know, like 1970s, you know, you're going to a movie theater outside and, you know, you're with your girlfriend and there's, you know, a hanky-panky going on inside the car, right? <laughs> and then all of a sudden it becomes a, a bed. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's kind of cool. Like, I mean, there could be a, like, a nice little story to tell there, like sort of like a, a nice... But... You know, had they thought about this a little more, they really could have designed it in a in a in a more cohesive way. Yeah. So that it yeah. does tell a story at least, mm -hmm. even. Yeah, because in your um, in your analogy, they should have made the bed out of the back seat. Exactly. Yeah. You know, they, they really could have done. I mean, seriously, they yeah. could have. You know, they really could have done. A, you know, mm -hmm. you know, a love seat type mm -hmm. of thing. You know, they could have done a little more <clears> things, <throat> and and that goes mm -hmm. to the whole idea of of the of the donating of the, of, of the money. I mean, I personally call me a, you know, a skeptic, but yeah, I think it's more of a, you know, there's this cool idea and you know, how can we do it really quick? And then how could we get even more props out of it? Oh, mm -hmm. let's put a donation type to it. And it's just, yeah. I've seen, I, you know, I've, international development is a lot, uh, has a lot to do with, you know, like doing good deeds Mm -hmm. And I, I think I, I've become a little jaded about that, and it's it's just another one of those things, you know, tree charity for children in Zambia. You know, it's very yeah. Eh. Well, you know what it gets me thinking. It gets me thinking about you know what this whole podcast is about. You know, design and making and uh, and manufacturing, and all of these things related uh, together. Um, as far as design, I you know we we commented. I don't think it. I don't think it hits that whole design thing. But I'm wondering, um, is it transformed enough? Is it, um, is it really a whole lot of effort to make this into something uh, more than it was when it started? I look at the pieces and maybe one or two, like maybe the muffler lamp mm -hmm. and maybe the, uh, the rocking chair, yeah. those two pieces kind of required a little bit more design, a little bit more effort. Mm -hmm. and, it, and I don't know for sure, but I would 
venture to guess that they probably started with those because they look like they have more time invested in it. Right. And then as they moved on, uh, you have like the dresser and maybe the, the bed frame that you guys talked about that really is just a standard bed frame with a door screwed to it. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, in the in the true maker spirit, I think that they were more interested in in making it a quick flip than mm-hmm. it was to make something really, really nice. Yeah. And, you know, I'll agree with you, Claudio, on this is that, you know, when somebody does a charity thing and it ends up being sort of plastered, I think one of the people that I I don't know personally, but I learned a lot from is this photographer called um, Jeremy Coward, where he's, he did a charity event every year. But the whole point of the charity event is that he would never show the photos from it. He would never, you know, he was a, being a photographer, his whole event was taking photos of people that don't get to have their photo taken like homeless people people with issues you know families mm. that have had abuse but his whole thing is and i'm not going to use those photos to publicize myself further it's a charity event it's just about the charity and he would tell people do this but don't show the pictures don't make it a publicity thing mm-hmm. so at the same hand they shouldn't they, if this is truly about charity then don't make it a publicity thing as well right yeah and that goes to ray's point that you right. know it really should have been about the making part of it right. the, uh, the upcycling it you know like yeah. how do you upcycle mm-hmm. it and how do you take it to the next level of, inno- of, mm-hmm. of innovation or like something different that you're making out of this pieces yeah, yeah. yeah. all right good very well, cool cool um, let's move on to the next story which is uh 3d printing glass and uh, this is one that you added ray what do you uh what do you think about this one yeah, well, uh, the reason I put it on there, and, and it's one of those things, I know we've been talking about 3D uh, printing in general, mm-hmm. and I think the reason we've been doing it is because there's been so much innovation. I think we've covered all the different aspects. Um, but when I saw this, uh, this is really quite an interesting leap in the in the technology. Uh, you know, glass is one of those materials that uh, if you're familiar with it, uh, you know, it takes a long time to melt it. And when you do melt it and form it, you have to cool it very slowly um, mm-hmm. or you can crack it. So, uh, you know, people may not realize that your your window, that plate glass in your window uh, is that, you know, it, the, uh, the silica goes through that oven. It's in that oven for several days before it comes out of the other end as finished glass. And, uh, you know, for glass to be... Um, melted down three days in the making is not unusual. So when you think about the 3D printing process, how quick it is, uh, it's kind of like the exact opposite of what glass making is. And here they have found, uh, and and by the way, uh, this was um, published by MIT. They're the ones that did this this project. They developed the technology to be able to do uh, 3D printed glass. Uh, and basically what they have is they have an, an oven that heats the glass to a molten stage and an extruder that can take the heat and they extrude it into beautiful shapes. I'm sure you saw the yeah. um, the website. Uh, yeah. Beautiful and interesting shapes that would be very difficult to do in glass. Not impossible, but extremely difficult and expensive. And then uh, as the glass is 3D printed, it is 3D printed directly into the uh, the tempering chamber. So that they control the temperature of it, and uh, once the 3D printing is stopped, uh, the chamber brings the temperature down of the glass very slowly over a long period of time, and you have a beautiful finished product. So uh, this, to me, is is brings us that one little step closer to that appliance at home that we we, we refer to several times that could uh, manufacture any object you need. Uh, this is yet another material now in that in that uh, arsenal of materials that mm-hmm. would bring that that possible appliance uh 
into the future, possibly in our lifetime. Yeah, no, I, and I agree with you. So, like, it's the next step. Is like we've talked about it. We've talked about three D printing with plastic. We've talked about it with even buildings. We've talked about it with the metal last time. And the thing about all three of those is that you know it's a very crude material that is not as sensitive as this is. You know, this is a very sensitive material. You do absolutely glass. So it sort of does show yet another evolution of it. Um, mm -hmm. And, and glass is unforgiving. Exactly. Yeah. And it, it, and it's funny because it, it it keeps it makes me think like we're seeing all these advances, you know, with the metal, the the plastic, the glass now. And ultimately, you know, the thing that we kept talking about is like, is this going to eventually become the replicator from Star Trek? You know, mm -hmm. uh, in reality, the replicator is an energy <laughs> generating thing. Converter. Yeah. Right. Are, are we going to get we're making all these advances with this? Are we going to get skipped at some point? <laughs> by the thing that makes it out of energy or not. Um, Interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah. from hearing you guys, like it's it's really cool because I it seems like this particular 3D printer, you know, in the whole um, lab that MIT has developed, it's it really brings up the whole process of 3D printing. Mm -hmm. Like in it's in a very transparent way, no mm -hmm. pun intended, right? With the mm -hmm. glass because <laughs> I really like the fact that the way that the rate, the way that you describe the process that goes through it, and it's 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 a very clear process that you're. That's another pun, is it? Yeah, <laughs> another pun. Another pun. It's very no, but it's it's interesting because you almost see like when when you're thinking of three D printing for plastic, you know what the outcome is going to be, and you you think of plastic as being cheap, right? right? So the final product is going to be a cheap product. But glass is so is, is is almost precious, you know, like a vase, but a really you know, and, and again it gets shattered at any given mm -hmm. point in within that process. Mm -hmm. So I really like the fact that it's it's such a delicate three D process that we're that you know, we're seeing now. Well and you know, this one does what you want the plastic one to do, right? If you were to accidentally break this vase, you can always melt this bag down and reshape it, right? The yes. ultimate environmental so. 3D printer. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yes, I like this. Yeah. Yes. But you yeah. know what I really liked about it is, uh, and uh, I think we'll we'll uh, we covered the the 3D printed um, houses, mm -hmm. we, and we covered the metal. Uh, I can see that this technology being put into uh, one machine. And you can order a building, and it will 3D print the concrete, the steel, the glass, mm -hmm. the windows. It just the whole building gets 3D printed mm -hmm. as it's being built right on site. Um, oh. Would be interesting. I mean, obviously, I don't know if that'll happen, but but yeah. it kind of gets my imagination going. The possibilities. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be interesting. They're not to see. that far far fetched, mm -hmm. and they're not that yeah. far away. Can you imagine like yeah. 3D printing a, a a triple plane glass window? So cool. Yeah, that'll be something, yeah, right? That'd yeah, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it'd be interesting That's to see. Really cool. you, you'd be putting a lot of con contractors out of work. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I'm not worried. You're still going to need somebody to design the houses or the buildings. <laughs> but it sort of also points towards that thing. It's like, at what point are we starting to eliminate people from the construction process when it comes to those? Yeah, but then, you know, we create more jobs in, in creating and manufacturing too, right? And yeah, in technology hopefully. as well. So that's 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 sort of where I'm going with the mm -hmm. jobs part of technology. As technology increases, air gets better. Um, you also need to make sure that, uh, you know, the construction workers are the blue color type mm -hmm. of workers, that they're also being included in the whole process of, yeah. of progression. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Cool. Cool. 
Good stuff. Yeah. Very cool, yeah. So that is a, another cool 3D printing project. Very right, cool. Uh, we're going to move on now to our main topic, which is going to be a good one. All right, well, let's talk about our main topic now. And uh, this week's topic is going to be toys that teach making. Um, Ray, this was a good idea that you had brought up for the show. And uh, I think this is going to be an interesting conversation. Yeah, thanks. I mean, uh, you know, we talk about making and, and, you know, that's part of what we do in the design and all that. But, uh, you know, as a kid, I, I always made stuff and I look back and, I'm, and I thought to myself, man, I wish I had toys that were like this. And uh, there were toys. I just didn't have any of them, but there were toys that did exactly this. Mm -hmm. So I thought it would have been an interesting uh, subject to cover. Yeah, and I think it would be good. I think either though none of us have kids, so some of them are going to be like somewhat old school toys. I know, Claudia, you've looked at some newer toys as well, right? Yes, I did. Um, so it will be interesting. And if there's anything we miss, I think hopefully people can you know write in or send us an email or a tweet or something, and maybe we go over what other people had next week or something. Yeah, this is not an all-inclusive yeah. list. Yeah, yeah absolutely. All right, well, let's and think. I like how you disclose that, that uh, we don't have, full disclosure, we don't have kids. Right, yeah, we all have animals. But, yeah, but we don't have furry kids, kids. Yet. Yeah, exactly. Um, all right, so why don't we just go ahead and take turns uh, looking at, it, we've all made lists, so who, should I go first? Uh, okay, I'll go first. I mean, yeah, let's bring up, I think, the main one that we, oh, the, the, the best known one is going to be Legos, right? Yeah. yeah, we've all heard of Legos. Everybody's, I think everybody's probably owned Legos at one point or another. Um, a little bit, and you know, I love Lego. The thing that most people don't know about Lego and that sort of takes kicks Lego back a bit is that it's a stolen idea, right? There was uh -huh. another company that came up with it first. Uh, here, let me see. Uh, it was a company called Kittycraft that had the self-locking bricks. And Lego, after they had bought a, an extruder from another company that was making these blocks for Kittycraft, stole the idea, changed the design a little bit, and then started producing it and then took off. Um, they were a little bit better at marketing. They were better at marketing, and they, they had more infrastructure to, to sort of distribute and everything. So they they sort of cornered the market, and, and now nobody... There's a couple of knockoffs of Legos, but you know nobody can compete with Lego. And that, that's the other thing. It's the plural of Lego is still Lego. <laughs> that's what, uh -huh. I, what I've learned. It's not Legos. <laughs> it's always Lego. Well, they're very protective, right, about they what they do yeah. and how they, they build their mm -hmm. toys. Well, I think the interesting thing, for me, when I grew up with Lego, it was you would get like a bag of random pieces. Yeah, that's how I saw it. you would make whatever you want. Nowadays, mm -hmm. it's like kits. Yeah, you go put together this Star Wars toy or this, you know, they have... They have Lego for everything now. I think there's a Lego yeah. for uh, for TV shows that you wouldn't think they'd have Lego. So um, now, do you think that takes away a little bit out of the creation having all these pre-made parts that are designed for this, like like the Star Wars ones? They're designed for one thing. Mm -hmm. uh, do you think that takes away a little bit of the creativity from the kids wanting to do something other than what the kit was made for? Well, I, I mean, I think it it depends on the parent. Mm -hmm. at that point because if if the parent just you know fo focuses on like okay well here's a kit put it together and that's it mm -hmm. and then you know you don't really encourage them to okay what if you don't do that particular you know like uh, 
example that the kid has what if you were to do this other thing and then you you start encouraging them to think outside the box outside the kit mm. then that would help no I, I agree i think it does depend on the parent to a degree I, th- I think there is a marketing part of it that has also pushed parents that direction though because lego particularly sells kits at such high prices like there's a there's a kit that i know of that was for the millennium falcon the first mm-hmm. one that came out it was like like an insane amount of pieces that kit now is worth it, you could you, at the time you could buy it for like two hundred dollars or something that kit now is worth like thousands of dollars uh-huh. so there's no breaking that kit up because you're throwing money no. away they become yeah. collector's items and i think that's taken well, away from the creativity experience of lego well it's interesting because uh what you described is a secondary market for right. for these blocks if they are not used Mm-hmm. as intended to be used so it's a weird thing it's a toy that doesn't get played with that is not worth more money because right. it didn't get used yeah and i mean there's a, there's another thing uh that i add about lego one is that about the kids is that um lego did studies like for four years to how do they um start catering or like actually specifically looking at how girls play mm-hmm. And they started developing these kits that include like a pet salon, a mm. beauty shop, um, and more theme related, like girly themes. Mm. Um, and they also included different colors, more pinks, more purples, more reds, mm. different shades of reds, just so that that would encourage girls to to build more. So that's an interesting thing. And then the other thing is Jose and I went to a Lego um Oh, we have a Lego fair. A Lego fair. Yeah. And uh, what was interesting is that, like, so half of the fair was Lego, and then the other, the other half of the fair, the, like the big space, was um, knockoffs of Lego, basically. Mm-hmm. Like, and uh, and and they're all somewhat, uh, you would say, regulated, right? right? They that they have their own pieces. Like, you know, mm-hmm. for instance, like I, I I fell in love with so many different types of trees mm-hmm. that they had for Legos yeah. and um, different types of like just completely like you know like evergreens I mean all kinds of trees mm-hmm. and there was, there was even like a, you could make custom figures for people there was a company that that's all they did they made custom figures custom Lego figures for people yeah, so or whatever you oh, so you could Lego yourself if you wanted exactly. to exactly yeah, yeah. Huh. And so now these are these are like secondary companies making products that Lego doesn't make that is compatible with Lego right doesn't? They're not necessarily compatible. They're they're a little different in their standards. Some of them standard, are slightly in different standard, in the standard. Some yeah. of them do match up with Lego because I mean Lego puts up pieces like for example this kit of the the Millennium Falcon is one that it's been out of print. You can get the parts to put it together, but there's certain parts that were only made for that kit. So this company uh-huh. will make more of that particular part that you can't get, like the satellite dish that's on the Millennium Falcon. It was a specific part Lego made for that kit, and you can't find it anywhere else. Mm-hmm. So these companies would make that dish as a third-party option so you can buy it and, and follow the instructions. Because you can go on Lego website now and download all the instructions to make to make the kits that they sell. Yeah, they all had instructions. Oh, cool. Yeah. 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 And for us that were architects, it was really cool because the big, another big focus was making these villages or mm-hmm. making cities or different mm-hmm. types of sceneries. And that's, that, that's where you had different vendors that would provide a specific type of sceneries or building or, or other standardized Lego pieces that would fit Legos as a whole. Well, but, it, but the funny thing is that it, it's still all about the kids. And the funny thing is, because when I grew up, I, we didn't have kids for Lego, right? 
I, I would take things and I would add them to my toys. Like I had a, a toy truck that fit some of my action figures. So when I, I wanted to play A-Team, you know, A-Team would put stuff on the cars or whatever. I would use Lego to put stuff on my truck. And I was playing <laughs> as if that was the A-Team. Right? Like you don't see kids doing that nowadays. Yeah. No. Yeah. And while that yeah, takes you know away what? some of the creativity, that also saved Lego. Lego was going to go out of business yeah. until they started putting out kits. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I think what happens with the kits is they kind of direct the play. Right. Um, you know, it says, well, here's a picture on the box. You just make, use the parts to make it like, and look like what's in the box. Oh, you know, what's on the box. But uh, I kind of agree with you. It's it's um, the creativity. I, in my my uh, thinking is it's, it's much freer to have a bunch of things that you put together as you see fit. Mm-hmm. Um, than to follow it's like putting a puzzle together I find puzzles uninteresting because it only goes together one way mm-hmm. uh, and as a kid I found them uninteresting but uh, it, you know having these kits and I and I do remember correct me if I'm wrong they also had um, uh, famous buildings they had a series of famous buildings mm-hmm. yeah I have one that had the Empire State Building yeah, uh-huh. yeah and, uh, I don't know if those are still if they're still making those yeah. they are and, and they're so, so expensive so expensive but here's the interesting thing is that that is a toy for an adult an adult with a job that has you know expendable income if you're going to buy a toy for your kid that you know they're going to lose half of them in the first day uh you know you're not going to spend 30 bucks 40 50 bucks whatever it is so i'm wondering if the if that marketing uh campaign for these kids really was aimed towards adult that adults that have nostalgia of playing with this toy as children than it was to make a an actual toy w- with which kids can play. And then that brings up the important thing. Is Lego still a child's toy? Yeah, yeah it's interesting. And what do you think, Claudia? Oh, I think it is. I do. Um, because of the the nature of new, the connection that you have with, like, new movies coming out. And you can mm-hmm. have, you know, like, the Lego, the Lego movie. Um, and they come to live, you know, like it, mm-hmm. it's pretty cool in that sense. So yeah, there's a connection as a kid. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah I, I think it is still a kid's toy. I agree with that. I think what Legos had to do is change its strategy to compete against the video games and uh-huh. the other things that are more interactive. You know, like there's so many things trying to draw kids' attention from making something or from being more creative in that way that they've had to move in that direction. Yeah. Like I saw, um, I saw a little a um, little video snippet of a of leg Star Wars with Legos, mm-hmm. and I thought, well, that that's kind of weird and kind of cool at the same time. Mm-hmm. I don't think I could sit through it personally, but I'm wondering how it, children would in, uh, interpret it, and would it stimulate them to use their toy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, yeah. it's a tough part. Like I didn't grow up in that in that era of make make this specific thing with lego um so it's hard for me just to say that but yeah. i mean our nephew he used to do that he used to make the star wars toys and, yeah and he would just have them in display he wouldn't really play with them that much well i mean i yeah. i'll move this forward for you know two other types of uh toys um one of the things that that people have been or, or companies have been looking at as far as how do you develop this new toys for makers or for um to, you know, to encourage making in, in kids and specifically girls is that uh, there's been, you know, like studies and, and, and uh, research done on how girls play and girls tend to be more 
um, in tune with narrative and storytelling in their playtime. So, you know, they, they like to have this story, uh, like characters and, um, you know, play, you know, play roles and stuff like that in their toys. So um, there are toys out there that are now in par with construction. So, for example, there's one one company that's called Goldie, Bo- Goldie Blocks, and mm-hmm. it's basically um, a um, kinetics almost, like, or like a, oh, like connects, like I think it's called. Yeah, connect is a, like a thing of Lego as well, yeah. Yeah, but these are flat, uh-huh. and what it does is it creates like spaces, um, or or um, uh, you can develop like rooms you can develop different things or you can develop like stories from it and there's an actual story behind this this toy and there's a, it's a girl that's an innovator and her name is mm. goldie and then she has different friends huh. and then they all like build things and you can mm. build a house for her or can build different um materials for her that she's working on as, uh-huh. as she's inventing things so is it is it mostly making like a structures more than things exactly because she is an inventor and she has friends and like recently they they expanded that for example and she um ended up having a an african-american friend whose name is ruby and she's a programmer so they included some um uh the ability of programming you know maybe with, with some of this with like a, some like of these other kits and, and motors and stuff like that yeah and then also the ability to put this on social media so put it on an app mm-hmm. and because the little girl is a, is a social butterfly type of thing so it's <laughs> kind of interesting because that's that's, cool. that's how they like expanded mm-hmm. the whole role play hmm. yeah. well, I, it sounds interesting tying in the digital aspect uh because i you know we all have seen kids very tied to their digital devices mm-hmm. yeah 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 it's pretty cool Nice. So, do you guys have other? Yeah. What, what do you have? You have one, Ray? Uh, yeah. I uh, I had quite a few, um, mm-hmm. but I think I'll probably just keep it, um, you know, uh, keep it simple. One of the ones that um, uh, it predates uh, Lego is the the classic Erector set. Yes. Uh, you know, I personally never had one, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, from what I understand, they were very popular. Uh, and they came in all different sizes, and it turns out that it was a worldwide uh, type of toy. That mm-hmm. type of toy having metal, actual metal parts and gears and pulleys and things you can put together. Uh, a very similar one was uh, Meccano. Meccano was mm-hmm. uh, French and mm-hmm. and uh, and, uh, and English, and Germany had some. And uh, in fact, I think they had several different types. But it was a very popular toy, you know, uh, kids riveting things together, bolting them together, making bridges. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, uh, you know, one of those very kind of old-fashioned toys. Mm-hmm. Um, was Meccano uh, plastic or was it also metal? I don't remember. Also of, metal. Also now, metal. I'm not sure if, I think Meccano is still in business today. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Erector, I don't think it is. Uh, but uh, the company that made Erector said made a bunch of other toys that were for making and uh it's interesting Claudia, when you you were bringing up the kind of gender specific uh play patterns and roles that uh all the ones i found that were old-fashioned were really kind of marketed for boys you know dads and boys mm-hmm. but mostly for boys uh and, and in their artwork and, and yeah. in the marketing boxes, you didn't right? see it was like a dad playing with his son or something Exactly, yeah. yeah. It was very, very gender specific. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's interesting now that all the newer toys they're being kind of geared and marketed for for both genders, 
and it's really the same toy. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, and it's funny, like that you mentioned that. I don't think you see the parents in the toy boxes as much. You just see the kids having fun with the toy. You don't see the parent in the toy box playing. With oh, the you mean kid. now? Yeah, nowadays. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's that's another interesting aspect because the director said dates back. Whew, yeah. Uh, I, I think early thirties. Uh, I think it's actually before uh, that. I have 1913 is when the first yeah, one came go. out. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So and, uh, I think their heyday was was in the 20s and 30s. Really, mm -hmm. the classic Erector series. Yeah, and it, and I mean what you what you say rings true of like it was an international thing because I remember when I was little we ha I had a variation of it. I think my dad had bought it when he when one of his trips to France or something. And uh, um, the thing that sucked about it is that you had to take apart what you had made in order to make another thing. <laughs> yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but it helped you reimagine it. The exactly. same parts were reimagined over and over. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh, that's cool. No, the director said definitely. I, I have fond memories of that. And but I have another one that's an old one that I I think they have. I'm sure they have updated versions of it. I've seen them. I don't remember what they're called. But when I was little, I had. Uh, it was a thing that that you it basically thought you had to wire different things together. It was called science fair. And then you could have different numbers because it depended on how many things you could make. So it was like Science Fair 150 yes. in one. Uh, I remember that. Yeah, the electronic project kits. Yes. Oh, yeah. I didn't have that, but I remember seeing it like uh, on TV and wanting it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, see, I had I had a little one and my brother had a bigger one. And basically, it, would, it was this cardboard panel that had little springs. And they, they were all arranged by color and on sort of like a grid. And you could also have little, some of them had little knobs or whatever. And then what you would do is you would have different wires that, that were different lengths and different colors. And then you had a little book that would tell you different things you could make. So you would flip to it, it would have a diagram, and you would pull the little, the little spring, stick the wire in, pull the other string, the other spring, pull the wire in, and you would connect all these wires, and then you could make a little radio. Or you could make a thing that turned on a light or... So it was a very like rudimentary kind of electronics. Like electronics, yeah, and it yeah. would teach you how to start wiring stuff. Oh. It was very cool. I remember I, I would have a lot of fun, and it was like a learning toy. But you know, I, I even at that age, it was like a learning toy. But you think it was teaching you how to wire stuff. It's like pre yeah. Arduino, pre exactly. pre Raspberry. Yeah. 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 So that that's well, one. It shows that, you the basic principles of of circuitry. Exactly. Yeah. And I know I've seen some nowadays that are like. They're all coded in, and I, I guess it was probably pretty unsafe, you know, to be playing with this wire and then plugging it in. That's what I was going to say. So now I've seen ones that they're not wires, they're like plastic, almost magnetic things that you you put on the board still, but there's no wire exposed, and the, the plastic has a wire inside it that they all connect together, and, it, and you, you can connect things that way. Um, so they, they ruin everything. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? A lot of the old toys, like we were mentioning, like even the erector set, with all the sharp metal yes. corners and edges, I think uh, people were uh, today are a little bit more safety uh, mm. minded than they were in those days. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, absolutely. I mean, nowadays everything has to go through so many safety yeah. tests. So. But yeah, yeah. yeah. Now yeah. It, it's, it's funny bad. because back in those days, you know, if you cut yourself, I don't want to hear about it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and now it's a big deal if you cut yourself. Right. Which is a big part of making, right? I mean, mm -hmm. that's that's absolutely um, yeah. Like failing. Failure is a big part of it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and safety as well, right? <laughs> Personal <is> safety. <laughs> Absolutely. You learn quickly. Yeah. <laughs> hey, give, give us another one, Claudia. What else do you got? Uh, what else do I have? Um, 
Oh, just a quick one. Barbie has like their entrepreneur Barbie, which I thought was kind of cool. <laughs> I've never heard of that. There's an architect Barbie, right? Yeah, there's an architect yeah. Barbie as well. <laughs> but, I've um, never heard of that. The other ones I have is, so Autodesk has this set of apps that they've um, developed. And it's it's from the from their, um, I guess, product line that's called 123D. And um, they've been developing this for a while now. And um, I've played around with a couple of the apps, and they're pretty cool. I mean, basically what I was doing is you can do some, um, if you're playing with clay, if you're a kid and you're playing with clay, that's the other big toy that I really like, mm-hmm. which is Play-Doh. Oh, Play-Doh, I yes. think it's like Absolutely, you know, yeah. the, the baseline for making, mm-hmm. right? Um, so, the, yeah, you're playing with Play-Doh, and then you, you, know, you, you make a monster, or you make something, you make a box, you make a house, you make something, right? And then you have this app, and you can take pictures of it in 360, mm-hmm. and they would actually make and render your your little monster or whatever you you design mm-hmm. in 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 a 3D form, and oh, then nice. you know it could you could you know it could move around and everything mm-hmm. else. But the bigger thing that came out recently, just earlier this a uh, couple of months ago, is that now they have Tinkercad, hmm. which ties into 3D printers. Oh, nice. Uh-huh. And uh, they partner, Autodesk partnered with Mattel now mm-hmm. so that they can include um, the Tinkercad product to so that you can create your own line of um, toys Toy. as really? a kid. Yeah, and so you can make your own like superhero hmm. um, or your own like line of whatever you're, you're designing, you know, as hmm. a kid and print it, 3D print it yourself. And it's oh. all backed up by Mattel, which is kind of well, cool. So it's, I mean, it's still cool. running right now. It's, it's it just came out not long ago, so it's mm-hmm. kind of cool. It's a new new thing. A well, new new thing, yeah. Yeah, I have not heard of that. Yeah, and I'm looking at it on your screen here. But it's and it's cool. cool, you know. It's like you could do motorcycles, you could do little penguins, you could mm-hmm. do like tr- you know like trains, mm-hmm. you could do um, like again little parts for your Lego set that you that you broke yeah. or something <laughs> like that, or you know, like, <laughs> who knows? So yeah, yeah that's one interesting. Of them. Nice. Yeah. yeah. All right. What else? What else you got, Ray? Um, well, there was, um, you know, again, going back to the old-fashioned toys, mm-hmm. uh, toys that would probably not be uh, too safe to have uh, nowadays. Um, there was a, a toy, and, you know, uh, this is going to tie in with the the um, um, the uh, product of the week, mm-hmm. uh, but there was a vacuum former toy. It was a toy mm-hmm. that they sold that, that kids could actually – Take objects and uh, melt, you know, heat up a sheet of plastic and vacuum form anything they needed. Um, make a copy of whatever they wanted. Make the body for a car or a truck, mm-hmm. and it it was kind of the predecessor to to what we hear all the time now. You know, three D printing or right. or injection molding, which you couldn't do as a toy. But this was a toy for kids to start working with plastic and making any shape they want. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was you know considerably reasonable when you consider the amount of technology that they put into this mm-hmm. uh today be hard uh, to sell this as a toy because uh, you had to have a heating element right. and it had to get hot enough to melt plastic and there'll be all kinds of issues with that but i thought it was an interesting toy from the mm-hmm. 60s that uh was letting uh, and and you know parents bought it and they thought in those days that it was safe enough for the kids and i can just imagine uh, a dad saying, "Well, if you burn yourself, that's your problem," <laughs> <laughs> and and it's really true, you know. You're gonna sometimes you're gonna burn yourself, you know. Right, right. But that's, that's how you learn. 
Absolutely. That's pretty cool. Though. I didn't realize it was a toy for it. And as you, yeah. as you said, it reminds me, I think they, at one point they used to sell even like a little toy lathe as well. Yes. Mm -hmm. And I did find that. And, um, well, you know, I'm sure you're going to put all this in the, uh, in the notes. But the lathe was uh, the play mat, and they still sell that. The play mat four and one has mm. like a little lathe, a little saw, a little drill press, and yeah. um, in miniature, and actually quite safe. You're not; it doesn't have enough power to hurt anybody. Mm -hmm. uh, mm. But yeah, it's like full size power tools uh, yeah, for, kids for kids to learn the basics. Yeah, that's pretty cool. I think Black yeah. and Decker has a little line there, has mm. a line as well. Oh, I've not seen that. Kids. I haven't seen that either. Yeah, mm. I know craft craftsmen does. Yeah, craftsmen. Craftsman stuff, yeah. Yeah, Sears yeah. and stuff. But those are like actual tools, like hammer and saw and yeah. chisel. Yeah. <laughs> I like those. Those are nice. <laughs> Wait, no, you, you you don't like which ones? The ones that you don't like? Which oh yeah, um, Sears brand. Yeah, I have a personal um, grudge against Sears <laughs> uh, because uh, of a whole different story. Yeah. yeah, it's too long to get into. But. Yeah, no. <laughs> that's good. All our personal grudges are coming out. Last week, my grudge with Rachel Ray came out. This this yeah. week, you're running yeah. with Sears. Next week, yeah. we'll figure out who, who Claudia has a grudge with. Absolutely. <laughs> Think about it. That's your homework for next that's week. That's my homework for next week, yes. <laughs> All right, let's see. So I, I wanted to mention one that it's not a specific toy per, per se, but like things that I got a lot of were you like pens, crayons, colored pencils. Like all mm -hmm. of that stuff was sort of the beginning to making, right? I would draw different things that I wanted to that I wanted to make, or things that I couldn't even make. I would draw them in two dimensions and cut them out. So just pens, pens, crayons, drawings. I think those are all toys, if you will, that also lead into making. Yeah. So, well, and, it starts you with designing. That's what exactly. You're that drawing is part of the making process, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, that's funny. Uh, a little side story. The mm -hmm. uh, the first lathe I ever built. Mm -hmm. I was probably 15, 16, mm -hmm. and I sketched it out on a piece of paper, mm -hmm. and uh, and then I built it. And my girlfriend had seen my my sketch, and then she saw the lace. She goes, oh, wow, you made it just like the drawing. <laughs> and and I remember saying, that's what the drawing is for. <laughs> <laughs> of course it looks like it. That's what it's for. And that is why you're not still with her. Yeah, well, that was a long time ago. And that's where the... <laughs> Dumb questions from girls start. Uh -huh, that's, yep. that's how it started. Another one is Mighty Makers, I guess, from um, Connects. It's a, it's it's you you guys mentioned it was an off it's an offset of Lego as well. Uh, Maybe Connects. I don't know. I if believe it is. so. Well, one of them is um, there's like there's a couple because I know Lego has a uh, a subsidiary that sometimes they include in their kits as well. Yeah, and, this, and these are building sets. Mm -hmm. So again, as architects, it's, it's pretty cool that you can actually build different yeah. um, structures and stuff. Another one is room, uh, ruminate, which uh, you div you build, and because of the name of the name rooms, mm -hmm. and you can design different types of new or rooms for it, and they it has movable parts as well, so you can go even mm -hmm. beyond the four walls or the three walls that you're creating. So for girls, it's, it's pretty cool. And um, these were all part of like Shark Tank and mm -hmm. Kickstarter, and that's how they started. Yeah, I remember and, seeing yeah. this this Ruminate one in Shark Tank. And I think this was where kids that came up with this even, if I remember. I think I they're think kids, I can't yeah, I can't remember. But the, yeah. I mean, those were some of the, you know, some of the ones that. Uh, these are more geared towards girls. Yeah. Which is interesting, yeah. All right, what about, uh, you had anything else, Ryan? Yeah, I have a, a couple that I'll, yeah. I'll hit real quick, only because they uh 
they're kind of questionable as far as safety. So we talked about, you know, the old fashioned toys mm-hmm. and how they were, well, you might, you might hurt yourself a little bit. And you know, it's just part of the learning process. There was a toy uh, that was a glass blowing kit. So, <laughs> That's so, so dangerous. <laughs> no way. A, a glass blowing kit. And it's, it's just uh, today it would be unthinkable. But in those days, you're like, yeah, you know what? You got to learn how to do stuff and you got to learn blowing glass is a good trade. I can just imagine how that, you know, went along. And they they showed, uh, you know, some kids and the dad right on the cover (laughs) blowing glass with no safety glasses, no gloves, no nothing. Uh, And I I, I, I like it because of the creativity of the toy. (laughs) But you got to question the wisdom of it. That's like, a, uh, that's like that Saturday Night Life skit from back in the day where the guy just brings like the most dangerous toys. <laughs> I don't remember that one. You remember that? I, I'll send No, I'm going to have to look it up. Yeah. yeah. And then you have another one for, for casting metal mm. where you would melt lead, liquid <laughs> melted lead, and cast it into, into parts. Now, again, uh, wonderful for creativity and the ability to make. Yeah. But I don't know if I want, you know, an eight-year-old kid melting lead. No. Because <laughs> then it has other other issues after that, right? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you bump into it, you spill it. I mean, it's molten lead. It can burn you. It can really... Where did you heat up the lead? To, to, to... It, had a, it had a lead pot. It uh, came with a lead pot. Wow. Yeah, a ladle and everything. Holy crap. Yeah. And it was lead. molten lead, and you it was kind of like an injection molding machine. But for lead, hot uh-huh. melted lead. <laughs> oh my goodness! Like I would not try and do that right now myself. Yeah. Like I would not like go into like a pl- into a shop to do that myself, much less think about giving it to a kid to, kid do. to do that. Oh my god! Wow. <laughs> yeah. And then the the last one again. If you thought those two were bad, you you really you really aren't thinking outside the box enough. <laughs> they had and um, <laughs> you know thinking of. Uh, Remember, uh, when you were talking about your little electronics kit, uh-huh. uh, today, you know, they might be, well, the wires are a little bit frayed and you got to be careful. Mm-hmm. They had a toy um, that was produced for, for one year between 1950 and 1951. That was the Atomic Energy Lab. Oh, and in it, it actually had radioactive material nice. for you to test. And it had a Geiger counter to make sure you didn't get too much radiation. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. Well, at least they, they thought about safety. Yeah, but I mean, creativity, I'm like, what? You know, you got to remember the 1950s, nuclear mm-hmm. power and yeah, science. Yeah. And it was a big push and, you know, getting the kids indoctrinated very quickly so they could move on to the next, uh, you know, in their education. Uh, so this, I think it was part propaganda for even thinking about this kind of toy. Um, but I, yeah, I, I don't want, you know, personally, I don't think kids should be no. playing with radioactive materials. Yeah, that's great. So the, the nuclear powers then were U.S., Russia, Timmy down the street. Yeah, well, you know, the nuclear age, everybody yeah. thought that that was the next thing. Oh, and man. Again, it's interesting, and if you if you look at the link, for if you follow the link for the toy, mm-hmm. you will uh, you would say, well, that's kind of interesting, but I really don't think kids should be playing no. with this. No, not at all. Wow. Nice, yeah. nice, nice. Okay. Um, so yeah, let me. I got I got two quick ones and then an old, two quick new ones and then an old one to throw. At, um, so I think as far as new things, are you can't argue that Arduino and Raspberry Pi are while they're not exclusively for kids, the price for them are to a point where you can use it as an introductory computing and and uh, coding thing for kids. 
you know, a Raspberry, you can get an, you can get an Arduino for five bucks, even though I know that, that that's always sold out. But you know, twenty five dollars, you can give them an Arduino. They can start coding and they can start using it to do different things. Same thing with a Raspberry Pi. You know, I've seen people turn Raspberry Pis into arcade games now. So oh, cool. So I think both of those. I think not only are those two companies doing great things to bring affordable computing to all parts of the world, but I think for kids to get introduced into some of this coding and programming is great. So I, I like both of those companies. And, uh, and then the other one I had here, my last one, is uh, one that I never had. But I think if you could manage to work this thing properly and get something nice out of it, you, you had the great skills. And that's the Etch-A-Sketch. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Etch-A-Sketch was so hard to use, and people would do amazing things with it. And I just, I was always, I was always amazed at what people would do with Etch-A-Sketch. I think that maybe not necessarily the most maker thing, but to a degree, you know, it's still drawing and, and drawing in a different way. So I always liked it. I thought it was it's good for kids to have something like that. Yeah. Well, I think it's it's good because it teaches you know X Y yeah. uh, coordinates. Mm -hmm. You know, it's a good first step. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and and hand to eye coordination too, mm -hmm. which yeah. is really important for moving anything, yeah. any mobile mobile device or anything else. Mm -hmm. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. You got anything else going on? No, I mean, I would, I would even just say from from a girl's perspective, just you know, like sewing or like you know the, the sewing machine, like mm -hmm. a, you know the kit, little little girls sewing machine, and then also just knitting. Mm -hmm. I think you know, like I remember knitting. My mom taught me how to how to crochet when I was really young, when I was ten years old, and it was me and my brother. And my brother was really good at it, <laughs> which is really cool. <laughs> And, um, well, that's very that's, practical. I like yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, and, and, it's, and, it's, and you make stuff, you know? Like, I mean, she would put all of the stuff that we would make, my brother Max. <laughs> He's, uh, of course. He went on to the Navy and, you know, is an engineer now. So, there, mm. you know, that's all <laughs> to crocheting. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, it's stuff that we would uh, make and then we would put around the house, mm -hmm. you know, like pot, you know, pot holders mm. and stuff like that. So, it's kind of cool. Mm -hmm. Did you ever uh, knit a sweater with, like, three arms? <laughs> no. <laughs> That would be interesting. Yeah. I, I, I got to scarves because they were scarves. long and simple. <laughs> There's just long like one straight. long thing. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, any closing thoughts, uh, Ray, before we move on to the product of the week? Um, no, but uh, you know, I think that this is a, an interesting list of toys that, yeah. that cover a, uh, a wide range of years. Um, looks like we got almost a hundred year span on all these toys. Yeah, absolutely. And and what it tells me is that um, that people have been interested in in kids learning how to make stuff mm -hmm. for a very long time. I think it's been it's part of our nature one, and it's part of our uh, uh, kind of our society that everybody should have some kind of introduction to how to make things. Mm -hmm. um, and it's interesting to see how that has changed now. We, you know, we were talking about the kits of things, and uh, before it was. Kind of anything goes. You here's a bunch of raw stuff and make it. Yeah, uh, so it's interesting to see how it's changed over the years. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, and I think you know, not being a parent yet, but I think you know, if you're a parent, start introducing your kids to some of this stuff, and not to say that that's what they're gonna end up doing, but you know, it gives them an option and it gives them the chance to develop some skills. You know, yeah. I'm think an architect. Of the box. Yeah, I'm an architect now because I was drawing and playing Lego when I was little. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, and plus it doesn't hurt to learn how to make stuff. Exactly. Mm -hmm. It yeah. doesn't hurt you at all. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I remember when I was little, my dad would make me hold the flashlight while he was fixing the car. And now I have no fear of going there and trying to fix some of the things in the car that other people wouldn't want to, you know? Yeah. And, and while I wasn't doing it myself, I 
I don't see it as this foreign thing that I can't. It's not see. a mystery machine. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah. And yeah. you save money. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Cool. Yeah. All right. Cool. So, you know, that's uh, another good list. If anybody that's listening has, you know, something that we missed, you know, send us an email or a tweet. Um, the email is, uh, I always forget, madepodcast at gmail.com or you can tweet at us. We'll have, we'll have that stuff at the end of the show. Um, but let's move on to the product of the week. All right, here we are for the product of the week. Um, this is one that I, I, you put up on the on the list, Ray, but I had also seen it on Kickstarter as well. Tell us a little bit about this uh, this new product. Well, it's uh, it's kind of interesting for me, and uh, it kind of uh, touches base on one of the the toys that we were talking about. Um, it's a a, uh, a new um, kickstart um, product for vacuum forming. Now, vacuum forming is an old technology. It's been around a, a long time. And uh, in the case of the toy, you know, that toy was made in the 60s, and they already understood how to do this. So it's been, it, it's been around at least 60, 70 years. Uh, in fact, as soon as, as plastics were created, people were figuring out how to manipulate them and uh, make things out of it. So the technology is actually quite old. What's interesting is that this is a product that was specifically intended for people to use at home. Mm-hmm. Um, what is uh, what I find interesting is that for uh, I think they're off they're beginning to offer it at three hundred fifty dollars. Yep. Um, for about half that cost, you can find one that's a little bit smaller on eBay that is designed for making dental um, mold, molds of dental uh, items. Mm-hmm. There's actually a little dental vacuum former, and you can probably pick them up for like 150 bucks. Smaller uh, uh, format, of course. Right. Uh, but what it tells me is that even though this is old technology, it's been around a long time, and obviously I'm, I'm in, uh, you know I have one of these in my basement, a vacuum mm-hmm. former. Yeah, that one I that built. you made yourself. Yeah, that I built it myself. Yeah. So um, it, it's again, it's nothing complicated or, or, or different. But what it tells me is how disconnected the people are that they look at this and say, oh, this is something new. Mm-hmm. It's not new. But what they have done is they have made it very friendly to the average person to do things at home. And we are seeing a lot of um, industrial machines that have been shrunk down specifically for this market to make things at home. Right. This is like the CNC home machine now, right? Yeah, yes. except there's, you know, it's not... It's, it's not, not as complicated. Yeah, it's not. A, it's all manual. Right. Uh, and in fact, I think you still need to have your own vacuum cleaner in order to make it work. You do. Uh, it actually does say that it comes with a uh, with a universal adapter, so you can hook up any vacuum cleaner to it. It says. Um, but I mean, when I saw this, the first thing I thought was, well, there's a couple of things. So I, I'm a member of the RPF forum, which is the Replica Pub forum, and from time to time you see people coming and asking. Does anybody know where I can buy a vacuum former like this? And most people's answer is, well, you can just make one yourself very exactly. easily. Yes. And, and not only that, but that there aren't a lot of pe- and there aren't a lot of companies that were making ones for sale because so, it's such a simple thing to make. And, exactly. People yeah. don't think that there's a market for it because right. it's so simple. Yeah, that's why I was surprised when I saw it. I was like, wow, somebody actually thinks there's a market for it. And I mean, I think they've already made their their. Uh, their goal as for the Kickstarter. Yeah. So there's clearly a market for it. So I have quite, I have a question. I mean, one of the things I was, as I was reading uh, information about the product, it mentions thermal forming. Mm-hmm. Yes. And so how, what is, 
it so it's basically a built-in heating element right so yes the way so how does that work when you look at it at the very top of that basically there's the heating element like what you see in a toaster right so that stuff heats up and the plastic is up against it and the plastic starts heating up and it gets soft so once that plastic gets soft you turn on the vacuum and then you bring this plastic down on the form and it sucks it tight so to melted. the form. Okay. Yeah, it's a it's plastic that's melted and it's hot and when it's hot it's soft and it forms to that. Okay. To that Got by it. the the power yep. of the vacuum. Got it. Yeah, and it does not take much. Uh, right. The products that I made that I that I built my uh, my test station for, I did it with my my oven at home. I just put it in the oven. Mm-hmm. I had a little frame stuck it in the oven. And I used the, my shop vac, so I made a box, and, it, and it, basically I had zero dollars invested, and I started molding parts. So this is kind of interesting because um, if you are if you don't have a, an access to tools, or if you don't know where to get started, or all the basics, mm-hmm. it kind of takes all the guesswork out of the basics. So uh, for the average person who may not have you know a workshop or a saw to start putting things together, it, it gets you. Vacuum forming very quickly with very little investment. Yeah. I think the drawback I see in this is that you would think that though, but like to me, the reason why I've even thought about making myself my own uh, vacuum former is because if you don't have the ability to make it yourself, you need still the bucks, right? You need the forms to be able to make anything. And I don't, exactly, I don't see yeah. it addressed as to, you know, they show this person sort of forming a piece of plastic around a, a banana shaped thing but where'd you get the banana shape from you okay. had yeah. you have to make that yourself you can't do it on a banana the plastic would stick to the banana probably yeah not an actual banana you couldn't use an actual banana you have to find a form probably made out of wood or some other kind of plastic that this plastic won't melt to ah. yeah. yeah and that's not really mentioned you're yeah, right they they kind yeah. of uh go skip that right <laughs> yeah because the, the way I, the way i saw it was almost like an easy bake oven of form making <laughs> And you know what? That's a good analogy. You know what it is. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. It's not bad. It's a very good analogy. Yeah. yeah. And yeah, I thought it was pretty cool because it, would, you know, it was like, yeah, if I need something quick mm-hmm. and, and, and simple and easy and like no frills. And then, you know, I have a really expensive vacuum like my shark, mm-hmm. you know, and what else can I use this with? You know, because that's basically what I want to do. Like, what else can I you know? But you're missing the shapes. Yeah. That's the problem is that whatever yeah. you, you, you have to have the shape to form it into. And they don't really address the shape. I mean, I guess it opens up a market for people to sell shapes for people to start using. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Yeah. But you know what? You bring up an interesting point. If you don't have the tools to build this simple machine for yourself, then you probably don't have the tools to make your own shapes. Right. That's an interesting point you bring up. Yeah. 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 But I found it interesting uh, that the fact, and, and you hit on it exactly, uh, it's such a simple thing that if you are interested in it, um, you probably would have made one yourself. Anybody that's interested in vacuum forming, I'm not sure why uh, you you would want to buy one, um, except that they have. Oh, and, and by the way, before I forget, we have nothing to do with this company. Uh, we we don't own stock. We don't do any. We're just it's a product we saw that we thought we'd talk about. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, so we're not connected. Yeah, that goes that goes for every time we've done this. And again, if anybody does want to send us something. To review for this, we're more than open to it, but we yeah. will say that when we do have a product yeah. that somebody's yeah. asking us to talk about. Yeah, um, yeah so mm-hmm. so I'm in the middle. I'm, I'm like, I like the idea, but I think it's kind of expensive mm-hmm. for what it is when you can get one. With, oh, and, and the one you can buy for the dental, you don't need a vacuum for. It has its own built-in oh, pump nice. for half the cost. Yeah. So but, uh, you said you could make it for, for even less than that, right? Yeah. You just well, need I made, wood. 
Yeah, I made mine that is a 12 by 12. Uh, you can put something on a 12 by 12 and from scraps. It cost mm-hmm. me $0 to make it. Yeah. So one of the things, and this is more of an architectural use and more of a industry use that I that I like as an example that they had on the on on the video, I guess, for this thing, is the an example of a topography. Mm-hmm. So they're building out like the modeling, you know, like the the a, a scene, a, topog- a topographical scene, mm-hmm. and those are really hard to do when you're modeling that. You know, you like just for a, a specific client, because mm-hmm. um, you know you have the same typical thing that you would do out of um, foam core and stuff like that, and it mm-hmm. looks okay. But if you can actually do a really genuine, you know, very specific technical topographic analysis and then form it using this at, at a specific scale if you want to do a model of something this this is just look pretty cool this, yeah it definitely could work um, but again you if you have the ability to make those models as it is you can probably make your own vacuum former for less than this one yeah yeah so it, that's why that's where it's sort of up in the air for me where well when I saw it I like I'm like oh that's cool for somebody that you know it's like so you just like you can go buy you can go buy a 3d printer or you can put together your own 3d printer from parts this is a similar thing right okay yeah you can go buy your own uh, vacuformer yeah but i think the disconnect here is the 3d printer it's all software driven this you have to make the shapes and if you're not making the shapes how do you find how do you do it well it's interesting because they have that video on there and they show them uh basically using potatoes you know they cut Mm -hmm. potatoes into whatever shape which is you know simple way to do it um, they also show doing a 3D printed uh, mold, an object to mold from. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you got a 3D printer, I'm not sure you'd be vacuum forming unless you want to make thousands of the parts. But um, uh, you know, they and they even in the video, the other thing they have is the uh, the tile is like a like a little tile with movable font, and he was molding it to make uh, a chocolate yeah, 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 mold a, for. Yeah, yeah, to make letters and then a, a chocolate a chocolate shape out of it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting what they what to me they're trying to hint at is that you can um, if you have entrepreneurial uh, dreams this is a tool for you to possibly satisfy that urge. Right. Um, I don't think I don't think that's accurate, <laughs> mm-hmm. but it's interesting that that's the way they're trying to market it. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's an interesting interesting product. Right. Yeah. Okay. All right, so let's move on to our next section and what are we working on? All right, guys. So uh, let's talk a little bit about what are we, what are we, uh, what are we working on? What have we been seeing or reading or doing? Who wants to go first? Um, well, I'll tell you the what. Uh, this has been one of those weeks where I have been so busy with uh, mm-hmm. with work, I really haven't uh, pushed in any other direction. Oh, okay. All right. But you you are working on some videos. You always have a video going up. So yeah, I do have that. always another video going up. Um, and I just put up another set of videos of uh, of some wood turning. You know, make, making stuff out of raw logs. Nice, nice, nice. Cool. Okay. Um, I I guess I have something to report on that. You know, I think one of the might have been the first episode, or the second episode, we talked about that TV show, America's Greatest Maker. Yes. Um, and you know, I think most of us, or I think I don't remember if we all sort of agreed that it wasn't the best show ever. It was kind of a little boring. Um, so I decided I had I I thought it was it's still in my DVR and there were like six of them recorded so I w- I pushed through and I decided to watch them all 
And uh, there's I have there's two episodes left on the series before they get reached the finale. They've really stretched this thing out. And uh, I'm happy to report it has not gotten any better. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing that's the most frustrating, there's a lot of flaws with the show, right? So they I believe they they advanced 15 people from the original thing. And then what they did is they decided to do five episodes where they pinned three of the products against each other and they would select one of them to narrow it down to five. But the way that they group these products together seems just like it's random, right? Because the, the, the people that are trying to track cows were next to the, the, the girls that are trying to track how your heart works. And it, it was just completely random. Um, but they gave them time to work on their products some more. So you'd think they'd show them working on their products some more, but they really didn't, right? So the thing they made them do is talk to consumers right, people that would use this and get their feedback and then talk to these, uh, these advisors that we have for you, get their feedback and improve your product. So they show them talking to consumers and consumers are like, yeah, you know, I like this from it. I like that other thing from it. And the guy's like, okay, I'm going to make those changes. Like, I hear what you're saying. And then talks to like a graphic designer or, you know, a person about marketing of the product. And they're like, yeah, I like this change. This, you know, like, if you like that idea, I'm going to do it. Next thing we see is they're back presenting their product with the changes. We don't see them actually working on their product uh-huh. or coding anything. Mm-hmm. Like there's no actual making shown at all, at all. Well, let, let me ask you: How many times do they mention that? Uh, what is it? The Curie module. The Curie. They <laughs> how many times do they actually mention it? They still mentioned it a bit, not as much, not as much as it was being mentioned in in the beginning. They also the episodes went from an hour long to half an hour, so I think they decided to be more concise. Okay. They must have gotten bad feedback or whatever, so they, they sh- the episode is a shorter, thank goodness. But, yeah, they didn't mention it much. It was still mentioned. And, and in one of the episodes, actually, the, the creator of Arduino was there. So then they started mentioning both Arduino and the Curie module. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, it just, it's not been, it's not been great. And we'll see. Somebody's going to get a million dollars out of this thing. And none of them are... I don't want to, I don't want to say they're not makers, but they're just not showing the making process. Yeah. And it's not really a making competition. It's a, a product design competition. Mm-hmm. So, so uh, our original assessment was pretty accurate. Yeah. 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 Oh, and, and some of the, some of the, the guests hosts have gotten words like Shaquille O'Neal was a, a guest judge. And like Shaquille, <laughs> oh, so boy. They yeah. were already losing it with me by having Kenneth Smith, the basketball player. Now they brought Shaquille O'Neal on. I was just like, I'm, oh, <laughs> okay, I can't take it. So, so I'm gonna watch the last two, and I'll let you guys know who wins because I don't recommend watching this show. So I'll, I'll spoil it for you when it comes. So okay. I have a winner. <laughs> but that, that's what I that's what I put myself through this week. That's what you've been working. Okay. Yeah. What about you, Claudia? You have anything? Um. Well, it's it's been it's local it's local voting season here mm-hmm. in in DC, and I've been working hard on supporting a couple of candidates, specifically candidates that are um. Um, doing, you know, are proponents of jobs. Mm. Uh, of course, every candidate runs on you know a platform of jobs. But what's really interesting is that I keep hearing is jobs and technology, right? So I, I've been doing um, a lot of canvassing for specific candidates that are pushing for that. And makers, mm. uh, maker spaces have actually been coming up in some of these um, forums coming out of the candidates, which is really cool. Right. Um, actually, man, we managed to endorse a couple of candidates that were very heavy on, on tech 
and these are candidates from low-income communities, so this is really cool. Um, other I, things? I know uh, the other thing you've been working on, and I want you to talk about briefly, not get too much into it, because I want to have a show maybe centered about this, but you've been working with some of the um, people that are trying to pass a law about solar panels here in D.C. Yes. Yeah, so that's that's another one, which includes the, the job creations for yeah. solar for solar um yeah for solar jobs and yeah. solar installation and stuff like that so we'll have a little more to come we'll on that about, when we yeah, talk about and, solar panels yeah. yeah and finally the other uh i've been in talks about helping a community with uh some um historic preservation um uh denomination or you know like they're they're trying to apply for mm. historic preservation um zones mm. for the community so yeah that's pretty mm. cool very cool nice interesting all right cool so you know that's six down uh, 52 more to go for a year <laughs> no not 52 whatever it's 52 minus six um so it's another show we've we we've done it again um let's tell everybody where they can find out more about us claudia when you go first the city and at the city colleges on, the twitter. on twitter cool Ray, what about you? Still no Twitter, right? Uh, still no. I'm, I'm in the dark ages right now. <laughs> hey, well, but, gonna, uh, we, we're going to be together, I believe, in a couple of weeks. So maybe yeah. that, at that point we can start a Twitter account. We start thinking of a name. Start okay. thinking of a name. We're going we're gonna to get a Twitter account going and we, we're going we're gonna to get this going. I'm, I'm going to guess uh, my name is already taken by now. Uh, probably. More than likely. <laughs> yeah, no, I was thinking you got to come up with like a, a handle. Like, you know, I don't use my name as a Twitter account either. <laughs> so, but we always have links to both your uh, your YouTube page, your YouTube channel, and your Facebook page for Lathe yep. on, on the description. So check that out, guys. Sounds good. Um, and uh, I'm at City Aperture on Twitter. And I also have a Facebook page for City Aperture as well. And, and I have a website called cityaperture.com. So, you know, thanks so much for listening. If you're going to email the show and, you know, by all means, if we've missed some toy that you guys are like screaming at the show right now, then you forgot this toy. Send us an email about it or send us a Twitter or, you yeah. know, or do a video and send it to Ray on YouTube. Yeah. And if you got an angry complaint, send that directly to my attention. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I handle all the angry, all the, all the angry Exactly. Yeah. All right, well, guys, thanks, everybody, for listening. And we'll be back next week. Thank you. All right, see you next time.